So as we look at this today, uh, specifically today about deacons, we, we have walked through Acts 6 before. We're going to look at it very uh, quickly, but we're going to look more at 1 Timothy 3. The definition of a deacon, the defining of a deacon. Deacons are ordained by the local church to minister to the congregation and exercise general spiritual leadership. They assist the pastor in administering the ordinances and may have to conduct worship services in the pastor's absence. Deacons should meet the biblical criteria set in Acts 6, 1 through 7, and 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is characterized by his concern for the physical and spiritual needs of those who are in the church. The early church shared his concern, and they chose deacons for this ministry. The deacon becomes the heart and the hand of the church in seeking out and ministering to the needs of those within and without the church. That's what a deacon is to do. Now there is the office of the deacon. And as I flip back over here to Acts chapter 6, I will reference that for just a moment. Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 7. And it gives us the concept of deacons and it gives us the choice of deacons. Um, we see the concept. Why do deacons need to be, why are deacons needed in the church? Because deacons are needed to deal with uh, the people of the church. At the time, at that church, the Grecian, the Greek widows were being overlooked and being ministered to. And you had the apostles who were out preaching and teaching the word. They were preaching and they were having to devote themselves to prayer so that they could be in the right spirit and in the will of God. So the apostles said, well, church, you look out amongst yourselves and find seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. You select them. We'll pray over them and we'll set them to the duty that is needed here in this church. Because we need to continue in prayer and in the preaching of the word. That was the goal of the apostles or of preachers at the time, the pastors. And so the concept of deacons is disclosed there in Acts 6, 1-7. through The need arose for servant leaders to minister to widows and men were needed to handle this ministry. We see the choice of deacons, as I said. The apostles said they came to the congregation because the con congregation, or the brethren, if you will, had a conflict. And the apostles were busy going different places and preaching the word. They weren't able to devote to one particular area or one focus. That's the reason why we have different congregations. We have different uh, autonomous bodies of believers where the word of God is preached okay, and taught. And you have deacons who minister inside that congregation. Okay, and, and so they chose them. The apostles were instruct, instructed the brethren to select seven men to serve. Now here at our church, we try to keep one deacon per each eight families. Okay, that's what we try to do. That's a lot of folks. If you think about it, if there's two to four people to a family, that's a lot of people to minister to. All right, but it's not as many as we had before. It was one to 15. That's a lot of folks. So we're trying to make sure that each deacon can adequately minister to different families in our church. Today, when we go down and have our deacons meeting, I'll be handing out the, uh, the pamphlets so that each deacon knows what family they're serving. We call it the deacon family ministry plan. And each deacon will get, will get that list of people. So understand, you'll have a deacon that is your deacon. And they'll reach out to you and they'll minister to you. That's the, that's the need that we have for deacons. Now listen. You may say, well, what about the pastor? Listen, I've got all of everybody underneath my care. That's a lot of folks. 
And don't get me wrong, if you need me, I'm available. I am. That's what I'm here for. It's the reason why I moved to Jasper in the first place was to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the Lord brought me on over to New Prospect to be the pastor of the church. So that's the reason why I'm here. I'm here for you. And the deacons are called by you from within you to serve you. That's what the deacons are called to do. And I'm called to lead you. So that's what God's called me to do. That's what God calls deacons to do. And we are to cooperatively serve together for the greater work of the kingdom and for the help and the equipping of the congregation. That's what we're all here for as leaders in this church. Whether it be the pastor, the staff, the deacons, the Sunday school teachers. That's the goal. is to equip you in gospel knowledge so you can go out and share the gospel with those who have never heard. We want to equip you, build you up so you may know the word. And the Bible tells us if we will write the word on our heart, we write the word on our heart so we will not sin against God. So we need to make sure we're studying the word of God. So they selected seven men to serve. The congregation should already be knowledgeable of those leading in service. You know, we had that form for everybody to, you know, if you knew of someone who was already doing many of the duties of a deacon, serving, leading, checking on people, all that kind of good stuff. You said, well, you know what? I see this individual. I'm going to get this form, which we had, you know, during that month, in, uh, during the month of August. And you got that form and you went to that individual and you said, hey, I, I have seen you doing much of the ministry of a deacon. I would like to recommend you to be a deacon. And they would agree or disagree based upon their own convictions with their relationship with Jesus Christ. And if they agreed, then they would fill out that top part. You would write your name. We'd submit that to the deacons. That happened. It came from among the congregation who should be a deacon. Just as they said, congregation, give us seven men. And so that individual was submitted. We interviewed, as, it, as we'll look at here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, in just a minute. It says, those selected should be of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And I believe people who are growing in their faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ, men that are reputable, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, should be recommended. Now that's my Acts 6 portion of me going over that. Let's flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. The qualifications of a deacon, or better yet, the credentials of a deacon are directed at 1 Timothy 3.11. I came up with 10 credentials, 10 credentials of a deacon. Okay, 10 things that should be uh, recognized here within the office, underneath the office of a deacon, the credentials of that deacon. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent. So that likewise carries within it its own definition. Likewise goes back up to what was above it, and that's to that of the pastor. They should be desiring the same things a pastor is desiring. It doesn't mean they're going to be held to the same accountability. Very close. Very, very close. But if we could go back and read, it says a man desires a good position to be a bishop. Verses one, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. He desires a good work. He must be blameless. Husband of one wife. Temperate. Sober-minded. Of good behavior. Hospitable. Able to teach. Not given to wine. Not violent. Not greedy for money. But gentle. Not quarrelsome. Not covetous. Uh, one who rules his own house well. Having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house... How will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, which means not a new believer. 
lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Those that are outside is the, is the community. A deacon should not be someone that you're trying to defend while, why you are nominating them as a deacon. If you're having to defend them against the community, wow, that's a, that's, that should not be happening. Because the community should know, you know what, whether or not I know if, if they're a Christian, that's a good man. Right? That's a good man. We could trust that that's a good person in this community. They're, they're, they're an asset to our community. And then it goes on to say specifically to the deacons. Now that was talking about the pastor. Likewise of the deacons. Likewise, deacons must be reverent. What does reverent mean? It means not to be silly or flippant about serious things. There's times, you know, there's, 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 there's a time and place to have fun, right? Come on, guys. Y'all awake out there? There's a time to have fun. Right, there's a time to have fun. There's a time to joke around. But when it's time to be serious, that's not the time to be flippant. And that's what this scripture, when it says to be reverent, that's what it's talking about. We need to be reverent people. The deacon needs to be reverent. Deacon needs to uh, be able to hold their tongue, or better yet, not be double-tongued. And that means that they don't say one thing to some people and something else to others. Their speech must not be hypocritical, but honest and consistent. You need to be honest and consistent in the way you speak. And listen, this is every man. Every man should, should, be, should desire to live in a way as what is called for a deacon. This isn't just, well, I'm not a deacon, so I can just do whatever I want. I, I can speak however I want to. I can do whatever I want to. No. Everybody, every man should, should desire to live in this way. I mean, do we want to bring reproach on the name of Jesus Christ? No, man, are we alive? Come on, guys, come on. Listen, we don't want to bring reproach on the name of Christ. We, number one, should be people. If you're saved, number one, we should be people desiring the good. The good of God, the good of others, the good of the church. Every man should be desiring that. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's what we should desire. We should not be double-tongued. And that's what John MacArthur, his, these definitions I'm giving you come from John MacArthur. He should not be given to much wine. So what does that mean? His judgment must never be clouded by alcohol. Your judgment should never be clouded by alcohol. Listen, my, my pastor that I had for, for quite some time here recently, man, he, was a, he, he, he defined himself as a teetotaler. He didn't believe you should drink alcohol at all. And I fully believe the same. I believe nothing good comes from a can of beer. Trust me, I was surrounded by it last night at the football game. It, it's, it, nothing good comes from that. I don't see how you could drink it and think that, oh man, I am a great testimony of God's goodness to the world by holding up a Bud Light or a, or a, or a whatever other kind of beers there are. I know there's a lot of Budweiser and all them other ones. I don't know. I didn't ever work in the grocery department at Walmart. I worked in electronics. But anyway, there was a, there was, you know what I mean? It, we should not, that should not be named of us. That shouldn't be something to say, you know, if people come about, they'll say, oh yeah, this, is, this characterizes them. We should be living a reverent life, not a double-tongued life, not giving them much wine, not greedy. What does that mean? Don't abuse your office to make money. And whether you're a deacon or just a man of God, we should not be abusing where we are just to make money. Listen, money, the Bible tells us, is the root of all sorts of evil. And I, it, is, it is 
it is dangerous to let money be our guide and money be the thing that pushes us where we need to go. Jesus needs to guide us. Jesus will meet our needs. Jesus will touch us and heal us. God will supply for all those things. He may not meet all our wants, but He will meet all our needs. We don't, a deacon should not be greedy. The sixth thing, now I went through five of those already. The sixth thing is to know the gospel. A deacon should know the gospel. It says there um, in verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. That mystery describes truth previously hidden but now revealed. We should know the gospel. We should know what Jesus has done. We should know what the Bible says about what Jesus has done. And listen, when, when I do this in a couple of Wednesday nights, you're going to know how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from these armbands. So I encourage you to come be a part of that. Whether you get an armband or not, you can write this in your heart and your mind. I'm going to go down there and talk to him and get several of those so we can use them. Listen, it's going to be important for us to know how to share the gospel. We need to know it. We need to know how to share it. And there's easy ways to be able to do that. And I normally have mine on. It was sitting on the kitchen table today, and I moved it somewhere. And that's part of the reason why I don't have it on today. But, but we need to know the gospel. Deacons need to know the gospel. Deacons must be tested. Look there in verse 10. But let these also first be tested. And that's the, that's the process by which we did this. You know, you turned in your nomination form. We talked about it as a deacon. We went out and interviewed in the home. We did the testing in the home. We come back. And all the deacons, active and inactive, did the same thing again. Really, it was more of an affirmation type meeting. But at the same time, there were questions asked. And that's okay. To make sure that the choice that we were making for you, church. I say the choice we were making, the choice you were making, really. Because y'all turned in the name. The choice that was made is one that would, would be able to withstand and, and stand up. You know, our Sunday school lesson today, there was four points. In that out of Philippians chapter 4, stand, unite, pray, and dwell. And that's, that's how a deacon should do. A, a deacon should stand, a deacon should unite, a deacon should pray, and a deacon should dwell. That's exactly it. Then they should serve blamelessly. They should serve blamelessly. Serve above reproach. Always being able to lead and love as Christ has called them to. It says, but let these, in there in verse 10... But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. They should serve blamelessly. We should not do anything. Now listen, are we going to sin? Am I going to sin? Yes. Are you going to sin? Yes. But what, it, what this is talking about is we should not be living in a way that is just irresponsible to the calling that God's put on our lives. We're not perfect. We all realize that. We falter. We fail. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We have a gracious and forgiving God. But at the same time, this should not be categorized or, or something that is, that is commonplace in the life of, of the deacon. That where their life is, is constantly seen as, well, gosh, they did this and they did that and they did this and they did that. And it's a very public observance of this, this sin that they so choose. This should, not be, this should not be known of the deacon. We, we, need, to, we need to be um, blameless. And I say we because just as I said, this is likewise deacons. So as a pastor, all these things apply to me as well. And then lastly, lead their family well. 
It says, likewise, their wives should be reverent. But if you look on down there in verse 13, I'm going to come back to the wives. Verse 13 says, uh, excuse me, verse 12 says, let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. So number nine, they should be faithful to their wife. A husband should be faithful to his wife. Should love her fully. Show grace where grace is needed. And, and, and build her up as well. The deacon should be one who is investing in his wife as much as he is himself. The Bible tells us to become one flesh. So the deacon should definitely be investing in his wife. I mean, if you think your, your walk with Christ is, is important, just think about the one who is supporting you as you walk that walk. It is your wife. That's the closest person. That's the closest neighbor. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors ourselves. That's the closest neighbor you got. Husbands, it's your wife. It's the one who shares the bed with you. It's the one who shares the, the passenger front seat with you most of the time. You know, it's, it's the one that, that uh, or maybe even is driving you. I don't know. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the one that's there by you through thick and thin, through sickness and in health and, and, and all these different things. That's the one we've got to be pouring into our... We look there in verse 11. It says, Likewise, just as, just as the, the deacon, the man, should be reverent, not double-tongued, not giving him much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience, being tested and being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent. And that means to be gracious, a feeling of attitude, of deep, deep respect tinged with awe. That means to be devoted. A deacon's wife should be gracious. A deacon's wife should not be a slanderer. Look what it says. It says, must be reverent, not slanderers. One commentary, and I wrote this down, it says, slanderer is the plural form. It's a title frequently given to Satan. Because you know what? He is the slanderer, right? So... Uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty big. When, when Paul writes, he should, uh, the wife should not be a slander. It's a plural form of diabolus, a title formally given to Satan. So it must not be a gossip. It must not be a gossip. In a society today, uh, in our culture today, we need to be careful about how we take prayer requests. Prayer requests can quickly become a gossip session. I'm proud to say I haven't heard that anywhere here yet. I say yet. But I pray that that does not become something. I had to address that one time as a youth pastor. It was not pretty. <laughs> they didn't like me saying what I said. Because it was absolutely gossip and slander. And I said, we're not having that kind of prayer request in this youth group. And she got mad at me. Said, well, you can be mad at me. I'm just calling, you know. I'm just calling what I see. Listen, we don't need to be slanderers. We need to be... Be mindful about how we speak of others. And be wise in that. Temperate. That means to be agreeable or level-headed. Um, the wife needs to be temperate. And then faithful in all things. That means to be trustworthy. It needs to be trustworthy. And as I look around and I see our deacons' wives that are here today, I see those things. I see those things in these ladies that we have here at, at uh, New Prospect. And I think it's, it's, it's something that we need to pursue. Ladies. All ladies, regardless if you're married to a deacon or not. These are characteristics of a companion. These are characteristics of a, a godly woman. I mean, we can go to Proverbs 31 and see a, a godly woman as well. But I believe a godly woman, all godly women can be reverent. All godly women can choose not to be slanderers. All godly women can be temperate. And all godly women can be trustworthy. They can be faithful in all things. 
And I believe that's something that, that, uh, that we should uh, pursue. I say we, I'm a man. But for ladies, you should pursue. And as a man, I should pursue all the things that are there for a deacon. And specifically, verses 1 through 7, that are there for an overseer, pastor, or bishop. We should be pursuing these things. This isn't just a message just to I'm Brother James and Miss Tiffany. It isn't just to them. This is to all of us. If you call yourself a man of God, we all should be desiring to live in this way. If you call yourself a woman of God, you should desire to live your life in this way. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Regardless if you're married or not, or a widowed or a widower, all these different ways of living are ways we can live in a way that honors and glorifies Christ. And I think it's something we should pursue. You, we don't just skip these verses just because that don't apply to me. I'm not a deacon or I'm not a wife of a deacon. You could take these character traits, these godly character traits, and say, I want to pursue that in my own life. How can I do that? You become a person of the Word. You dive into the Word of God and you say, I want that to be me. I want to be devoted. I want to be this way. And that way, when people see me, it doesn't bring shame on the church. It brings glory to God, and it brings people into the church. Now, the second point today is the obligation of the deacon. The deacon has a unique role, relationship, and responsibility to the minister and the membership of the church. The deacon's obligation includes leadership. It includes lecturing at times, listening, and laboring. It's all part of the obligation of the deacon. A deacon should possess sound faith, good partnership capacity, which means they're good at working with other people. Listen, we don't need to be conflictual people. We need to be people that can work in tandem and work in cooperation and have great compassion. One of the greatest characteristics that you'll ever see defined by the life of Jesus is compassion. And that should be a definitive role, a definitive aspect of the deacon's life. They should be ordained by prayer and the laying on of hands by those called and ordained men. We'll be doing that here in just a few moments in the service. They should hold office at the pleasure of the church while growing in their Christian character, faithful service, and in sound doctrine. They should assist in baptism and the Lord's Supper and have care for the poor and conduct religious meetings in the absence of the pastor. That's what a deacon should do. That's the obligation of the deacon. Then there's opportunities of the deacon. The first, the deacon, the first deacons, as I noted earlier from Acts chapter 6, were appointed in order to serve tables and to enable the apostles to give themselves continually to prayer and to the preaching of the word. Deacons have the opportunity to serve the membership, support the minister, and share the message. That's the work of the, that's the opportunity of the deacon. So in conclusion, this is where I want us to, to fall right here today. The office and the obligation and the opportunities of a deacon are clearly, concisely, and carefully recorded in the Bible there in Acts 6, 1 through 7, and 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Following the example established by the early church with the advice and the approval of the council uh, of the apostles as they did then, the body of this congregation has desired men of honest report, full of Holy Spirit and wisdom, and has chosen from among themselves uh, Brother James to serve as a deacon. And we've gathered here today to ordain this brother as a deacon.